This morning, congregation, I proclaim to you the Word of God as we confess that in the Lord's Days 36 and 37 about the Third Commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. So, Lord's Day 36 and 37, and we'll also read in connection with that Articles 1 and 2 of the Belgian Confession. So we begin with Lord's Day 36, and there the church has confessed the following. What is required in the third commandment? We're not to blaspheme or to abuse the name of God by cursing, perjury, or unnecessary oaths, nor to share in such horrible sins by being silent bystanders. Rather, we must use the holy name of God only with fear and reverence so that we may rightly confess him call upon him, and praise him in all our words and works. Is the blaspheming of God's name by swearing and cursing such a grievous sin that God is angry also with those who do not prevent and forbid it as much as they can? Certainly, for no sin is greater or provokes God's wrath more than the blaspheming of his name. That's why he commanded it to be punished with death. But may we swear an oath by the name of God in a godly manner? Yes, when the government demands it of its subjects or when necessity requires it in order to maintain and promote fidelity and truth to God's glory and for our neighbor's good. Such oath-taking is based on God's word and was therefore rightly used by saints in the Old and the New Testament. May we also swear by saints or other creatures? No, a lawful oath is a calling upon God who alone knows the heart to bear witness to the truth and to punish me if I swear falsely. No creature is worthy of such honor. And then we turn to the Belgian Confession, Articles 1 and 2, page 499 in your book of praise. And in Article 1, we confess there is only one God. We all believe with the heart and confess with the mouth that there is only one God who is a simple and spiritual being. He is eternal, incomprehensible, invisible, immutable, infinite, almighty, perfectly wise, just, good, and the overflowing fountain of all good. Article 2, how God makes himself known to us, we know him by two means. First, by the creation, preservation, and government of the universe, which is before our eyes as a most beautiful book, wherein all creatures, great and small, are as so many letters leading us to perceive clearly God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, as the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1 verse 20. All these things are sufficient to convict men and leave them without excuse. Second, He makes himself more clearly and fully known to us by his holy and divine word as far as is necessary for us in this life to his glory and our salvation. So far, our confessions. Brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus Christ and boys and girls who belong to him, Imagine that you were in a boat here out in Georgian Bay 
and you noticed a boat, another boat in the distance, and it was sinking. And there were people, a couple of people without life jackets um, in the water, splashing around in obvious distress and in danger of drowning. So you, you go over there and you manage to save both of them from certain drowning. Those two people. And you can imagine, you know how grateful those people would be and you could also imagine that you'd be the talk of the town here. Your name would be in the paper. So-and-so saves two people from drowning in Georgian Bay. Uh, the mayor or our MP, Larry Miller, would be there to present you with some type of award and shake your hand. Your name would be out there. Not that everybody would know exactly who you are, but what you did then would be known everywhere, far and wide. And you see that a name involves a great accomplishments, a great or good accomplishment. People make names for themselves in sports too. You know, like, like Wayne Gretzky, the great player when I was younger, simply called today the great one. And everybody knows you're talking about him. He made a name for himself with his achievements and records in hockey. Well, the Lord has made a name for himself, too. In all his amazing accomplishments and deeds, think of, think of some of the things that the Lord has done. Created everything around us out of nothing. We sang about that. Beautiful creation, beautiful fall season, made it all out of nothing by the word of his mouth. Freed his people from the power of Egypt by sending ten plagues on the Egyptians. Had his people pass through the Red Sea. Drowned Pharaoh and all his host in the Red Sea. In those same waters. Gave his people food and water in the desert for 40 years. They, there was no, nothing to harvest. No crops to bring in in the wilderness. And yet, the hundreds of thousands were fed and watered all that time in the wilderness. It even says their shoes didn't wear out, their clothing. And when they went into the promised land, the walls of Jericho fell. They were able to take that city, one city after another after that too. He made the sun stand still at Gibeon to give the Israelites time to defeat the Amorites. And so on and so forth. And the most awesome thing of all which he did is, of course, send his son to this earth here in the middle of space as a man, as one of the creatures on this planet, in order to suffer and to die in the place of sinners, in our place. And that's the miracle we hope to remember with the Lord's Supper 
celebration next Sunday. Brothers and sisters, the name of the Lord is everything that he has accomplished and everything that shows his power and glory. That's his name. His grace, his faithfulness, his love, his justice. And not only in the world in general, but also to each one of us personally. Because we all have life and breath given by God. And we've all been baptized in the name of the triune God and received promises from him that go beyond this life. His name is something close to us, something we can even take refuge in, as it says in Proverbs 18, verse 10. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. This morning we deal with the third commandment of God's law. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold anyone guiltless who takes his name in vain. The Lord's name is so important to him. He will not take it guiltless. He will not hold anyone guiltless if they, they don't give glory to that name. And that means we need to esteem God's name and everything that stands for very highly. Show the highest respect for that name possible. He has a right to that from us. And I proclaim to you that commandment with this theme then. Show the highest respect for the name of the Lord your God. Two things. Be careful with that name. And be outspoken about that name. So first be careful with God's name. Speaking to God. Speaking about God is a very serious matter, congregation. It's true that this commandment calls uh, the Lord God, the Lord your God. He established this relationship with us in Christ, in the covenant, completely out of grace. He had his name connected with our name when we were baptized. He established that close relationship with us then. Intimate, I could say. He promised to care for us personally. Promised to forgive our sins. Promised to renew our lives with his spirit. But that intimacy should not lead us to think we can just talk with or about God like we're talking with or about other friends of ours, other people. He's not just another pal. He's the almighty and eternal God. And therefore, just even speaking his name without the highest respect for that name, not showing reverence for that name, is a very serious thing. He will not hold anyone guiltless, it says. That's what the last part of the that third commandment shows. And that means, of course, obviously, he's going to forbid us to use his name as an exclamation mark, as a lot of people do today. Oh, my God. You know, you hear that more often all the time. Oh, my God. On social media, that expression is even used so much, it's been reduced to the letters OMG. That's That's not reverence for his name. That's not holding it high. And he's also offended if we use the name he gave us to address him or his son's name to curse somebody 
or something we don't like. Using God's name like that is taking it in vain, not showing reverence for it, not respecting what it stands for. And then you're using his name, not that name he gave us to address him with, to know him with. Then you use it not to glorify him, but only as a kind of an exclamation mark. And that's insulting to God. He gave his glorious name to glorify him. But when his name is used as an exclamation or as a curse or expression of surprise, then it's reduced to basically nothing at all. It's taken in vain. And God will not hold those who do that guiltless. His wrath rests on those who do that, even though they may not realize it at the time. And that's because God's so sensitive about his name. His name stands for so much, for such awesome things. It, it stands for eternal hope and salvation. But the third commandment is obviously not only about misusing God's name like that. It involves a lot more. It involves showing the highest possible respect and honor for that name in thought, word, and deed. We shouldn't then speak out God's name if it's not fitting. Only to make him great in that context. We could think here, brothers and sisters, about even reading the Bible. At mealtimes, for instance. How do we do that? Is it done with reverence for God? To make his name great. Or do we read quickly and thoughtlessly, you know, get it over with as quickly as possible and get back to other things? And boys and girls, how do you listen when the Bible story is read at table? Or when the Bible is opened at table, how do you listen? Do you fidget, let your mind wander? Remember, what's being read are the words of the Almighty God about His great deeds for you. And what about our prayers, brothers and sisters, boys and girls? Prayer is about worshiping God, thanking, glorifying Him. We don't do that if we just pray thoughtlessly, habitually. Or if we pray selfishly, you know, only thinking about ourselves and our own needs, not thinking about God's glory and directing our prayers also to his glory. That's also misusing his name. Using his name to further ourselves rather than him and his glory. And prayer is asking God for what we need in the name of Jesus Christ. But how can we make the name of Jesus Christ, how can we take that name on our lips if our lives conflict with the way Jesus Christ wants us to live. If there's that conflict. See, congregation, we have to be careful how we use the name of God also in our devotions. Our goal has to be to glorify his name also when we ask him to take care of us. That has to stand in the context of serving him, honoring him. For his name is glorious and he's worthy of eternal praise from us. 
So all this means you don't just read or pray thoughtlessly, but you take the time to prepare your mind and heart for prayer, for reading scripture, for being in worship, that you may do those things with reverence. Also pray before you go to worship on Sunday. And I know all of that can become a show. And that's not good either. But God wants us to have him in mind and heart when we pray, when we open his word, when we sit here in worship. And then oaths and vows come in the picture in that regard. Lord's Day 37. We don't make too many oaths here. And it should be that way. Our yes should be yes and our no should be no. But we do make vows before God. Promises in God's name in the church too. It's not so hard to say I do at your wedding or your profession of faith or your ordination. But not doing your utmost to keep such a vow is also taking the glorious name of God in vain. The vow parents give at the baptismal font to raise and instruct their children in the fear of God. That's something that parents have to take seriously. Also when children are difficult and obstinate, have to watch out that we don't take the vows we made in the Lord's name at the baptismal font seriously. Promise that to him in his name. When you made that vow, his name was spoken. And you have to answer him for that. He will not hold those guiltless who take his name in vain. That applies also to the Lord's Supper. Every Lord's Supper celebration is a a confirmation of the oath we made at our profession of faith. Yes, Lord, I seek my salvation completely out of myself in Jesus Christ. And I want to devote myself to serving him. But if we don't intend to love and forgive our neighbor as he has forgiven us, then when we take part, we take the name of the Lord our God in vain instead of respecting it highly. And it it applies to our everyday life. God in his amazing grace put his name on us when we are baptized, mentioned that already, and because there's such that, that, because there's that close covenant relationship with him, his reputation is damaged if we as his people behave wrongly in this world. Not just before others, but before him. Like in a business or a company, if some, some of the people behave badly, the name of the whole business is harmed. Think of how Volkswagen's name has been badly harmed of late because of the emission scam put in place by some of its employees and managers. Name is damaged. So the, the third commandment is also about acting, speaking, hypocritically if you call yourself a Christian a believer but in the meantime consciously go against one or more of what God calls his people to do in his word one or more of the commandments then you're messing with God's name his good name and we have to think about it in those terms and be careful to hold his name high in our daily walk and talk For again, he who is enthroned above the heavens sees and will not hold him guiltless who misuses his name.
And there's the other side of this commandment, brothers and sisters, boys and girls, which most likely gives us even more food for thought. In this commandment, we're also forbidden to be silent about God's name and not give him the praise and glory that belongs to him. In our our contacts with others, we shouldn't leave God out of the picture, even if they do. Talk and act as if God doesn't have anything to do with the, the everyday things in our lives. Just be silent about him so that your neighbor doesn't even know that you believe in Christ. Congregation, if that's the way it is, then we're well on the way to making the name of our gracious God invisible. Something in our lives which is separate from the other areas of our lives. As if God has to do with our Sunday life and whatever, but not during the week. As Abram Kuyper put it, there is not a square inch in the whole domain of our human existence over which Christ, who is sovereign over all, doesn't say, it's mine. So we, we need to use the opportunities that there are in our daily activities and conversations to bring to the fore, in our minds, and in our attitude, and in our work, and our words, the glory of the Lord too. We talk with each other, with our children, with our neighbors, our co-workers, not hyper-pious. Not hyper-pious talk about the Lord all the time. But when, when that's fitting, when it's fitting, it shouldn't be, as I mentioned, that your neighbor or your co-worker doesn't know that you're a Bible-believing Christian. For instance, if somebody's going on a long trip, you can wish them God's protection. You know, the Lord be with you, watch over you. Looking at a beautiful sunset over, over the bay or Lake Huron, mention something about the magnificent beauty of God's creation or say something about the almighty giver of life when a baby is born and you send a card. Maybe bring God's name in the picture when you're discussing the political situation somewhere in the world. Or when there are difficulties or sicknesses to deal with you, you glorify his name by placing your trust in the name of God. Obviously, placing your trust in that name. And in in those ways, you show the truth of what it says in Proverbs. The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. You show that you find your safety and security in that name. Congregation, I've seen it so often that people in hospital are brought to think about the Lord Also, by the way, a sick church member next in the bed next to them has carried his or her sickness in obvious faith in the Lord. Not just words, but also how they they deal with it. His name is especially glorified when we show that we trust in God, even and especially if we don't understand what he's doing to us. And what about how we deal with life when things are going good, when we're healthy and and things are, are going full bore. Do we exude gratitude to our God for his good gifts? Or do we just presume on his goodness and grace? Do our words and actions show we accept that we live out of his goodness? How do we talk, for instance, about the weather? Does the fact that it's God who controls the sun and rain ever come into the picture when we talk to somebody else about the weather? Or do they hear complaints, you know, when the weather doesn't suit us? 
And are we sad about the, the wrongs that are tolerated by citizens of our nature, nation as injustice and the sins of abortion and euthanasia and homosexual relations? Do we, do we pray about those things? Do we sometimes talk about those things with others? Maybe even send a note to our member of parliament expressing concern because of something like that that goes against God's goodwill? Does it really grieve our hearts when God's name is blasphemed by others or do we, do we just accept it in silence? Again, if you really believe that the Lord's name is a strong tower, is your strong tower, as it says in Proverbs 18, if you really believe that God has, is, is the security and the protection from curse and death in Christ, that you're completely safe with him, and that you, you want to go to him all the time then, and, and in that strong tower, then that's going to show in your life, isn't it? It's going to show in how you, you speak about him. And every time we try to live without acknowledging God, every time we leave him out of the picture, is an offense to him. We're not respecting his glorious name highly as he, as he deserves from us. Let's be careful, congregation. Very careful that God's name doesn't slowly disappear out of our lives because of our silence. And then, maybe even a step farther, out of our society because we didn't bring that name forward either. We have to be careful because he chose us for salvation in his great mercy. He chose us to be his own exactly to, so that we might magnify his name. How can we neglect it then? Let's bring that name to the fore in our walk, talk, in our thoughts, in our hearts. Let's bring it to the fore, and that's our second point. We've already covered some of it. Be outspoken about God's name. You realize from what we said already, there's no way we can keep this commandment in our own strength. And then you might think, well, maybe it's better just to simply step back from everyone and everything and say nothing. God's just too glorious, just too dangerous to, to use his name or to leave his name out of something, so we'll just, just leave it out altogether. The Jews came to that when they were in exile in Babylon, even to today. They, they do not speak God's covenant name, Yahweh, I am who I am. They don't speak it out. They don't read it in their Bible. When they come to it, they substitute another name for God's name. They're so afraid they might misuse the name of the Lord that they don't speak it at all. But as we already mentioned, the Lord God doesn't want us to be silent about him either. Gave us his name to use. He gave us that name. And he wants to be named and he wants to be honored and he wants to be praised by us. And again, that passage in Proverbs 18 says that the name of the Lord is a strong tower, an invincible bomb shelter. Whoever runs into that tower is completely safe. That's not only a statement of fact, that's a command. We're we're told to run to that tower and to find safety there. And we go there and find safety then if and when we use God's name. If he is part of our life so that he comes out in our actions, in our speech, 
speaking about him, praising him, calling on him, is then finding shelter in that strong tower of his name. And that's what he wants us to do. Use his name, and then so find shelter in that name, and call others to do that in worship, also in our day-to-day lives. And that means that we call on him when we're in trouble. You know, we, we often, when there's, a, when there's an issue, a trouble, we, we tend to think first about which, which people can help us, who can help us, what we can do for ourselves when we run into difficulties. The first thing that has to come to our minds, though, is I need to go to God. I need to go to my God and Father in Christ. And God always hears his children who go to him, who use his name to call on him. That's, that's finding, finding refuge in that strong tower. His name is a strong, invincible tower, so pray to him boldly. He is your fortress. Pray to him boldly also with and for others. Did you ever offer to pray for a neighbor? You're talking to him, that neighbor's sick and grieving, or grieving and You can pray with them. And with this third commandment, the Lord our God calls us to be outspoken in praise of his name in prayer and song before others too. Not just for others, but before others. So much part of our life that that others can see it. Whenever and wherever we can, say something when God's name is blasphemed by others when you can. Congregation, sometimes I think we don't do that enough because we keep thinking it's not the place and time. And maybe that could be true, but it also can become an excuse not to say anything at all. I think all of us have to confess that we could be way more outspoken about our awesome God who made everything and who gave his only son for us, that that, that has to live in us so that it can't just stay in us. What's in the heart has to come out. We need to hold God's name in high esteem then and also do so boldly. The office bearers aren't the only ones who need to use God's name. As Christians, we all have the office of prophet, young and old. At Pentecost said, you're young men and you're young maidens. They prophesy. They have the anointing of the Spirit to confess God's name. We're we're called to talk about our God, to make his name known, to let everyone know what a glorious God we have. Congregation, I think that when we hear all of this, each of us has to admit we fall short when it comes to what the Lord God wants of us in this third commandment. We fall short. Too often we're way too busy for ourselves and we're way too this worldly here and and that we don't show the highest respect for God's name. And we have to confess that we're all too often not very outspoken about the name of our God, more inclined to kind of hold back, maybe even be a bit ashamed nowadays of being his people. But what is there to be ashamed about? Not about God. He's the almighty God who gives every, he has everything in his hands. Everybody's life. 
Let's ask him in Christ's name to forgive our sins and shortcomings in, in this regard. Christ kept, he glorified his name perfectly. As he says in this high priestly prayer, glorified your name perfectly. So we can ask for forgiveness for not glorifying God's name perfectly in Christ's name. And let's ask his spirit to work in our hearts. So that we have reverence for that name in our hearts. And so that we be more outspoken about him and bold in our Christian lifestyle. And the more we do that, the more we'll experience too that the name of our Lord is certainly a strong tower. And those who enter it, who run to it, are truly safe. Amen. Let's pray. Thank you, Lord God, for giving us your name so we know you and so that we can call on you. And help us always to show the highest respect for your name in our hearts. You have the right to that from each of us. And then help us to be careful with your name. To regard your name always and everywhere as precious. And at the same time help us to be outspoken about that glorious name of yours. To let what's in our hearts come out and to speak it. And make it known in our everyday life and walk. Forgive all our sins against this commandment. The third commandment. Forgive us in Jesus Christ. Who always fully glorified your name. And we let his spirit live in us. So that you may always be honored and served. By us, in us, through us. Father hear us we pray. For Christ's sake alone. Amen.